Are you ready for more miracles and magic in your life? Rainbows in Real Life is dedicated to bringing positivity to the forefront, celebrating the power and promise of the human spirit, and supporting each other in challenging times. Together, we are finding ways to make the future bigger and brighter for all of us. We will be sharing stories of perseverance, possibility, and promise in engaging with experts that are making a real difference in the world. Join us live on Facebook on Thursday evenings to engage in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Brilliant souls, welcome to Rainbows in Real Life, the show dedicated to bringing positivity to the forefront, celebrating the power and promise of the human spirit, and supporting each other in challenging times. We believe when we join together, we all live better lives, and we're exploring ways we can do that in today's ever-changing world. I'm Pamela Aubrey, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Christopher Rouse, the No Excuses Coach, and our special guest, Tammy Daughtry. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank What's you. What's happening, ladies? Hello, good hello. Afternoon. Good evening, good morning. Yeah, exactly. Wherever in the world you are, all of the exactly. above. Well, so exactly. grateful to have you with us tonight, Tammy. And you have such an important message to share with people. But before we jump into some of that, I really just want you to start out by telling everyone a little bit about you and just, you know, kind of where you started out in life. Hmm. Wow. So that's going to take the whole show, right? There. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, um, and I'm still a Bronco fan, but I can't tell you who the quarterback is right now. Um, <laughs> but I went to college in Southern California in the Fullerton area and then did a fifth year of college in Nashville. And I came to Nashville in 91 thinking I'd be here one year. And I won't tell you how many years I've been here, but I've been here a few. And so home is now Nashville, Tennessee. And um, so, yeah, I've Part of my heart is in California, that ocean, and then I live here. Mm -hmm. And um, first, first career uh, was actually working in the music business and uh, event producer for record companies, book companies, private events, national conferences, and then had a shift in my own life and eventually full time into what we're going to talk about today in helping people in complex families. But uh, yeah, so I'm a Colorado girl via California, landed in Nashville, and I try to try to talk like I'm neutral. Try not to, to do sure. too much of the Southern southern twang, but anyway. <laughs> well, I love it. I grew up not too far from Colorado and Wyoming, and Christopher's now in California, so we all oh, kind of, you know, <laughs> connected somewhere in there, right? Oh, well, yeah. Yes. I actually grew up right around Anaheim and Fullerton, I, so I, oh, I know them very, perfect. very, very well. Yeah, I'm in Riverside now, so it's not too far away. See? Sweet. Everything happens for a reason. So Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's a joy okay. to be here. Thank you. Thank yes, you. And just before yes. we begin, for you guys out there, whether you're live or here on the replay, we always as uh, appreciate you guys' uh, engagement with us and asking us questions and just being a part of the conversation. That's what Rainbows in Real Life is really about, is a, a safe place to have a great conversation, learn and educate and seek first to understand and uh, then to be understood. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate you being here. We're looking forward to the conversation. 
Yeah, absolutely. And along with that, we do have some questions that we'd like to pop up here so you guys can think about this while we're talking. And if you do have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. So before we jump in um, to the full story here, one mm -hmm. thing I wanted you to tell us a little bit about as well is just what brought you to the work that you're doing now? Sure. Well, um, like I said, I was an event producer in the music industry. I'd worked at three record companies, had my own company and really intended to be an event producer forever. I thought I'd be doing that into retirement. And then um, 20 years ago, actually, I went uh, through a, a surprise, I guess, um, but ended up um, I'd been married eight years and I was facing a divorce and had a little girl who was one at the time. And so I had grown up in a divorced family, so I knew a lot of the ins and outs of what it was going to be like and, and how to navigate co-parenting. But I was looking for kind of a roadmap, like a deep dive from people five and ten years ahead of me mm -hmm. who had done a great job of co-parenting. And so event producer by day, co-parent, you know, becoming single mom in that legal journey. And I was kind of just shaking the tree, like, where are the resources? And and there's, you know, there's some books out like co-parenting with a jerk, co-parenting with a narcissist, <laughs> um, you know, and and sometimes some of that could be true for people. But I was looking for something life-giving, positive, solution-oriented, strategic. And so ironically, there was a moment, um, Pamela, where I was in, uh, in a counseling session with the counselor that had been with us for a couple of years trying to save our marriage. And he was transitioning and helping us to become co-parents. And uh, his name's Steve, and, and I was like, Steve, why aren't there more books and resources on this? And and he actually said something to me that I, I share this only because, you know, as just as humans, you know, when we are sitting with people in the dark times and they're hurting or they're going through something, they can't see what's next. There are times that I think we have an opportunity to point out something they're doing a great job of, even mm -hmm. if even if they're going through a divorce, even if they feel like their world is crumbling but yeah. to come alongside and point out something we see positive. Mm -hmm. And Steve gave me such a gift that day. He said, Tammy, he said, I've been a therapist 15 years. He says, and, and he, he knew us. He knew all the good, the bad, and the ugly. He said, I have never seen two people go through everything you've been through and still make such great choices for your daughter. Mm -hmm. And he said, wow. Angel, Angel is going to be okay. He said, you don't need to read a book. He said, I bet one day you'll write one. And I'll tell you, I walked out that day, not ever thinking about doing what I'm doing now, mm -hmm. but I just walked out with a little, little bit of hope that this guy, how hard our life was, he still saw there was hope for our daughter. And so wow. for me, that was what it was about. You know, what can we do to protect the daughter we love? Um, how are we going to navigate this hard road ahead? And that gave me, it gave me courage because not because I was wanting a divorce even. You know, I believe in marriage. I believe in lifelong family. I believe in, in kids having mom and dad every day if it's possible and if it's healthy. And yet in my darkest time, somebody came alongside and just said, hey, I think there's still hope for your daughter. It's mm -hmm. going to be okay. And so eventually I paralleled that music industry event planning business with other things. And then one day thought, you know, I had to start planning some events for divorced parents. And that's mm -hmm. where Co-Parenting International was launched. And we started doing events for single parents, step parents, never married parents, bringing in specialists and people to talk, panels of teens, um, adult children of divorce. And that's what eventually launched into what I do now, which is help, help complex families and help co-parents that really, quite honestly, some days really feel like they hate each other, help them come alongside, shift focus, really try to come to the table parents who love the same kids. 
It's just so amazing. I mean, I know there's so many families out there that are faced with this, you know, whether, you know, even grandparents that are brought in sometimes because it's not working out with the parents or whatever the case may be. And they face so many of these challenges alone. And so Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing is so important. And I think it's also really important that people know that there's these kind of resources available to them and that, you know, they're not, they're not in this on their own. Because I know for me, when I was going through my divorce and, and trying to get into the co-parent, it was so difficult and mm. there weren't resources, you know, and then when you're trying to work with the court system, frankly, it's kind of a disaster, you know, mm. and, and you get less support and just more, you know, shuffling through this bureaucracy, you know, I mean, that's mm. pretty much what you're left with. And so because of that, I think, you know, you get to a point where it's like, what, what else can I do? You know, I mean, you start to feel like a little bit helpless in the situation. So what are some of the ways that you're helping people to kind of get a handle on, okay, how do we, how do we even start to approach this? And then, you know, if, if you do have a challenging partner, you know, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, those are good questions. (laughs) Relax uh, on that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting though. Uh, for anybody listening who, who's not divorced, I've actually had so many people who are in traditional cohabitating, you know, two-parent home tell me, Tammy, gosh, almost everything you talk about is really relevant for any family and for any parents. Because one of the things I'll I'll mention in a minute, you know, having a co-parent meeting and actually talking about the things that you're trying to make decisions on and plan ahead, et cetera. A lot of parents, you know, they they're like, we never slow down and actually talk about the kids. You know, when we go on dates, we try not to talk about the kids, but you know, actually maybe we should slow down and and start having parent meetings in our own home, even, even though we still like and love each other. So, you know, for those that are listening, I, maybe they'll take away something great for their own relationship that they're in. If it's under all, you know, all under one roof, or like you said, everybody knows somebody who either has, is becoming a single parent, has been a single parent, and and even who is recoupling and blending. You know that we could do a whole um, whole session actually just right. on the blended family because yes. those are a whole another layer of of potential joys and potential pain points. But sure. um, so as far as anybody just either getting started or trying to figure out where do you start with this topic, um, I always go back to this phrase actually that I started saying to my own divorce attorney. Um, is one heart, two homes. Mm-hmm. Kids that come and go in two home, two places, they live back and forth, back and forth, one heart, two homes, right? And so we want to slow down and think about what is our child experiencing? You know, when they're, they're spending some of their parenting time with mom, they're spending some with dad. Now, when you like and love each other, you know, you might go, kids might go camping with dad one weekend and go somewhere else with mom. And that's not a big deal. But but when the parents are no longer a unit, you know, connected and, and collaborating and, and cheering for each other, then a, a child ends up with this, um, what we call a divided self, right? That they're they're kind of torn apart and they love their mom and they love their dad, but man, they don't like each other anymore, right? And they can read our, our facial expression, our tone of voice. Um, and one of the most important things that I love to talk to parents about or for grandparents that have kids going through this, whoever you are, if you know a child living in two homes, quite honestly, one of the most critical things for those kids are to try to help mom and dad figure out how to have a happy handoff. Now, I, that, that might sound a little cheesy, but <laughs> I work 
I work with a lot of kids in college and young adults who've grown up in divided families. And I kid you not, so many kids, the narrative of their childhood goes back to what happened at those handoffs. Was it, was it positive? Was it okay to come and go? Or was that the time and space that mom and dad argued and, and were rude to each other and either you know, had big flamboyant conversations or they ignored each other, right? And, and some parents, one will park on one side of a store parking lot and the other one around the corner so they don't have to see each other. And kids come and go back and forth, you know, with backpacks and stuffed animals and mom and dad won't even speak, right? So how parents do that handoff at the core is really going to identify the identity of a kid. Is my heart whole or is my life really broken? Because the good news is when parents divide, if they do a good job of continuing to parent and stay engaged with their kids, children in divided families have every, every chance to grow up whole and healthy. I think, you know, part of the statistics we always hear is all the negative stuff, right? Um, that kids are at risk for certain behaviors and outcomes if mom and dad are apart. Right. But here's the, here's the thing. A lot of kids will choose some of those negative behaviors, even if they live in a home with mom and dad that argue all the time. So it's not about whether or not all the time mom and dad are under one roof. It's what parents, how they stay connected. Do they keep the war alive? Or do they come to a place where they finally slow down, cool off, and recognize the one thing we have in common is they, there's nobody else in the world that loves our child or our children more than us mm -hmm. and try to rally around that love that they, they do have for the child. Now, so coming back to the practical part of a handoff, um, three things I always ask parents to think about. What is your facial expression? What's your tone of voice? And what about your body language? Because, you know, for example, if I'm getting ready to take my daughter to meet her dad somewhere and I'm like, oh, okay, it's time to go. Come on, Angela, you got to get your stuff. We got to get there. Your dad's always late, but you know, we got to get there on time. Are you, are you ready? Let's go. I mean, just that little bit, right? Like you feel like I'm stressed. The kid's going to be stressed. Mm -hmm. Something right. about this is not okay with mom, right? The reverse is, hey, babe. It's time to go. We're going to go meet dad. Do you have all your stuff? We got to hurry because we do need to be on time. Come on, make sure you bring this, that, and whatever. And you know, it's an upbeat tone of voice. And in part of co-parenting, co-parenting sometimes it's actually acting, you know, because we might not be really excited that we're sending our kids <laughs> away to the other house for the weekend or for the week or for right. the Christmas break or for the two weeks in the summer, right? Inside the adult heart, like we're hurting, like, man, this is going to be hard for me to say goodbye to my child for two weeks this summer while she goes on a cruise with dad and I'm at home and, and I'm not really doing anything fun, but man, trying to figure out how do I give my child best version of me, give them my emotional permission to go and not to put an emotional hook that it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the example I always, you know, we're all talking now about kids getting back to school and right. Life is hopefully coming back to some kind of norm, but I always tell moms and dads, the same way you cheered for your kids going to their first day of school, you know, kindergarten, or maybe they're going to an overnight summer camp. Maybe they're hesitant. Maybe they're not really ready to go, but you cheer for them. You talk to them in an upbeat voice. You're like, buddy, you can do this. You're going to have fun. You're going to meet teachers. You're going to make new friends. You know, imagine the things you're going to do on summer camp. You, you're going to get to go hiking or whatever. You, you talk about the things they're going to with that upbeat positivity. 
and that that helps a kid think they can do it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, if mom thinks I can do this and I'll do a good job, I will. And that same kind of positivity is what we want to bring to those handoffs. And, and to give a child a gift that you have my permission to go and enjoy the love and the time with your other parent and that I'm okay when you're gone. That's the other part. And there's so many emotional blind spots that, that honestly, most parents don't know they don't know trying to do the handoff. And, you know, the, they either, you know, argue, 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 or they ignore each other. But that handoff is critical. And so I want to slow down and let you ask some questions. I know I'm just talking like a fire hydrant here. Lots I know, words, I know Christopher's got one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was interesting when I, I didn't, thank you for sharing that, Tammy, because it's very, very beneficial information. Totally. Um, you know, there's so many different questions that come to my mind. I actually had to write them down so I wouldn't forget all of them. But uh-huh. when you're talking about acting, um, I'm very keen on the child psychology of what happens to the conditioning process to us from zero to mm. five, most importantly, zero to mm. five, zero to seven, zero to 10, depending on who you talk to. And mm-hmm. so I've been fascinated with the fact of that we do tell our kids, uh, we, we really screw them up. We sit there and say, okay, you know, don't tell, don't tell lies, tell the truth. And then we tell them about Easter bunny and Santa Claus and the tooth fairy. And then we say, oh, whoops, we were just kind of lying. It's just kind of a thing for you. And then all of a sudden kids get old enough to start telling the truth. And they say, you know, why is that man over there fat and have zits all over his face? Shh, shh, we don't want to say that out loud. We want to, we want to, we don't want to, we want to save people's feelings. And then we're told, mm. you know, then we're taught about a white lie, which is not really a bad lie, but it's a lie. And okay, so do I tell a white lie? Are you telling me the truth? What's going on here? And then mm. all of a sudden we get into the situation where there's a lot of emotional situations going on already in the home leading up to that divorce. Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as being honest with your kids when they come to you if you have a really bad parent um, versus acting and saying, no, daddy's just, daddy's just a little trouble when you know he's a narcissistic, mm. narcissistic something or other, where is that mm. blend between the truth and acting and, and sure. protecting them? Where's, where's that at? Great question. Well, okay. what I, what I try to encourage parents to think about, well, okay. First thing is we do want to know our kids are physically, emotionally, and sexually safe with the other parent, right? So if there are concerns around any of those three, then general co-parenting doesn't always apply the same. Um, but there's a difference between an angry co-parent and a dangerous co-parent. And sometimes, you know, in the beginning, when they're when you're going through the, the division, whether it's um, maybe you're in a relationship and you move to two places or one of you moves out and, and there's there's this time and season of we're dividing um, and kids are asking well, what's happening. Right. There's a lot of hard questions that from an adult lens, we need to keep the adult stuff there and try to figure out what is gonna be helpful and not hurtful for our child. So if there is a, a pattern of behavior that really is a danger issue, it's, it's a neglect issue or it's a um, emotionally abusive issue, then we need to find a way to talk to our kids. And, and what I always say is try to think of another model or another example, not about the other parent, but to talk to them about patterns of engagement, healthy ways that we engage, healthy, um, and, and I can give you an example. So let's say, you know, a six-year-old kid asks her bio mom, um, gosh, why, why is daddy so mean to my stepmom? You know, I, I hear daddy say all these horrible things to my stepmom. Why is daddy so mean to her? That's a tough place for a bio mom to be, right? She can't really answer for dad and she can't, she's not there. She doesn't see it happen. But what she could ask her child is, well, let's talk about, you know, or how did you feel with what you heard? Tell me a little bit more. 
and not from the, Oh, tell me more, you know, like I'm going to grill you, but right. be curious. You'd be curious if, if your six year old came home and said they saw somebody hit somebody on the playground, right? You lean curious, you ask questions, but trying to, to remain a bit neutral. But what you're looking for is, is what does your child believe about and what do they feel? And then, one of the next steps would be to check in with the co-parent and say, hey, I, I this is going to be a conversation for us, but I want to check in with you because if this was in reverse and our daughter came to you and said, hey, you know, dad, why is my stepdad so mean to my mom? You know, like turn it around and, and see, you know, could we talk about this? Because our, our daughter is kind of confused about some patterns of behavior she's seeing or experiencing. Now, there are some people that would never even be able to have that conversation with their co-parent, right? Um, oh, yeah. There'd be complete deflection of I've done nothing wrong and you're, you're the problem. And, you know, so you may or may not be able to even talk to your co-parent, but I would keep the door wide open with your child and talk about patterns of behavior and patterns of healthy, healthy and, and, and not naming the other negative um, the villain, so to say, because it's interesting what happens with children they can bring something up like that. But as soon as one, you know, let's say it's a, a kid talking to mom, they bring that up to mom. And then if mom starts talking bad about dad, there's this innate attachment where quite often the child quickly is like, wait a minute. And they almost take a defensive stance against hearing negative things about their bio parent. So it's a tricky thing. But I would say if, if there's concerns for physical, emotional, or sexual safety, always pull in a neutral professional who's an expert in ki with kids at the age and stage of their development. Because sometimes you do need to know, are my kids, are they having a healthy engagement when they're at the other parent's house, right? Is it safe there emotionally? And, and if you can't, um, quite often I would say always pull in a neutral professional because the courts, as you were saying, Pamela, you know, they get so much in the courts, so much back and forth and people are just making stuff up. They're, they're lying. They're they're just bombs on each other to to you know disrespect and and tear down the parent to get more parenting time or get more money. Um, the day the judges, there's no way the judges can know all the time what they're missing, and that's where I think a neutral professional can help, and they can help a child have a safe place to talk and to talk about both parents, like what's going on at both houses, and to help you make important decisions. So. The acting part, you know, I see what you're saying there and we don't want to mislead. Um, but I think the same way we would act appropriate in public and we speak to the person who takes our money when we check out at the grocery store or the restaurant or, you know, we have these engagements, have at least a neutral, healthy engagement because your kids are watching you as a model. And and I think even in hard situations, it's important if, if at least one parent is thinking about modeling Here's what, what respectful, mature adults act like, even in hard situations. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, you know, I, I, I love that, um, that question about conditioning. And I, I see your point. I mean, I got four grandkids. Do you tell them right. there's an Easter bunny or not? But I want to highlight something real quick that, that I thought of there, Christopher, about secrets. Um, it, it not directly about whether there's... Easter Bunny or Santa Claus or whatnot, but one of the toughest things that kids often get caught in is um, this this uh, pattern where it's okay to keep secrets, right? Either either they'll they'll want to do something, oh let's do this, but don't tell mom, 
or oh, you know, a parent will say, hey, let's go do this, but man, don't you tell your mom, right? right. Now that that might happen in a traditional family where mom and dad are under one roof and kids get to spend a little more money on candy with one parent or, you know, but that pattern of engagement of, of encouraging kids to, to not tell the truth to the adults, that's a dangerous one. And so I always try to encourage co-parents as much as you can to try to give the message to your child that mom and dad don't keep secrets. Even if we don't get along, we still are not, we're not going to keep secrets because over even though time. It caused the divorce, but we're, we're, we're now we're not. What's that? I said, even though it caused the divorce, but now we're not. It was a joke. I think she's freeze? frozen. Yeah. Divorced. Did I freeze? I, oh, oh, did I freeze or you freeze? Am I here? Are we you're okay? here. Yep. You're back. Okay. Um, you know, I think, and again, the very specific content of why people divorce, there's a 101 reasons, oh, yeah. right? And a lot of times kids know a lot more than you realize. It's been a fair. Yeah, sure okay. Yeah, you just froze a little bit again. No, I'm sorry, you guys. Is that on my end? It's okay. You're back. You're okay. Back. So, um, but talking about uh, secrets, I do think though, um, age and stage appropriate, there are things we don't tell kids when they're two, that maybe we do tell them when they're 12, just about life, right? About sex, about money, about anything. So we want to think about what is helpful, not hurtful about the divorce, because the kids are going to ask, even if it happens when they're one and they have no cognitive memory of you being together, they're going to ask someday, why are you guys divorced? And as much as you can come up with um, an agreed upon uh, narrative without a lot of misfiring on the details, that's what's best for kids because that's where they will, if, if you don't have that conversation, hey, you know, what are we going to tell Johnny or Susie or Sally about why we're divorced? And you both go with the gut. That's when the kids really start wondering and they won't say it out loud, but internally they're going to think, you know, you said something so different than the other person somebody's lying who can who's who's not telling me the truth mm -hmm. and that kind of breeds a big question mark with kids and they you know they do wonder and they don't necessarily um come out with all of it but then they sit back and go hmm there is something big here that doesn't match and They're and smart. again They're you know smart. trying to see stuff my, yeah. my four-year-old i can see he's seeing stuff and i'm like i'm being very careful about what i'm doing because i'm so cognitively aware of that stuff and i'm like i'm very careful how i enter the room and i'm just like he's watching and he's absorbing because i've even seen him yeah. now because when i get frustrated i just go mm, and i just kind of like that's my little moment that's my little thing and now i see him doing it and he's like mm, and i'm like yeah. oh that stuff really works oh Pam, you're being it, quiet right. what's going yeah. on Pam? Pam's got totally it. does yeah no i mean i'm really just thinking about you know really i think at the heart of what you're talking about it's you know, first of all, this is never an easy thing. I don't think if you're a parent going through a divorce, it's very difficult. What, even if it's a good divorce, it's difficult, right? But if you're going through a bad divorce, it's really difficult. But to remember that, you know, your kids, you, I mean, how, how, how are your kids experiencing this, right? And then, and then what is this going to mean to them later in life? And, and seeing kind of that, that long term as opposed to what's going on right in this moment. And also with that, like, how can we empower them as much as possible through the process? Because I think for kids, you know, a lot of their control is, is gone all of a sudden, you know, I mean, it's like they've got new rules over at this house and 
new rules over at this house. And, you know, they've got to sort all that out on top of the going back and forth. And, you know, it's a lot on top of the fact that, you know, now they've got mom telling them one thing that, you know, works over here. And then dad's got another thing that works over there. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of that gets lost when you're in the court system. Nobody's talking about the stuff that's really important. Mm. All there, it was exactly like you said, you know, people are just making stuff up and then going into court and acting like, you know, it's gospel truth. And it's like, this is craziness, right? It's, mm. it's just, and so I think it's I think it's so important for people who are in that situation to understand that there's one thing happening inside the court system, but that isn't a system that's really intended to help you as a family. You know, it, it might get you divorced, but that's all it really does. It's not it's certainly not going to help your children. And yeah. so to know that, you know, OK, we've got to go. We've got to go and be a little proactive and get some resources lined up, not just for us, but also for our kids. I mean, there's not a lot out there for the kids and, you know, sending them to therapists and all these things. Sure. That's, that's great. And that can be a piece of it, but I think there needs to be more than that. And I think people need to understand what that needs to look like. So yeah. I'm grateful that you're speaking to that because I think that that is just huge. Well, the, there's an analogy I love to share about two countries and actually a friend of mine, Ron Deal originally shared this. It's on our, our uh, video curriculum, but he talks about how, you know, kids come and go, but the narrative or the analogy is coming and going between two countries, maybe the, um, you know, the, the connotation of what family is or what we do for fun or what we eat, you know, countries are different. You think about Germany. Well, I won't, I'm not going to even say any specifics because I'll say something politically incorrect and get, you know, myself in trouble. You worried about so, that too? You worried about that too? I, I, I don't know enough to, to say the right thing. So I'll just keep she it. She said keep Germany. It you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I mean, you, know, you can say Germany on our show. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to pick on any country. So let's just right, call right. two countries, country A, country B. Um, yes. But the, the big thing for kids is not, it is complicated to fit in and, and figure out the rules and them being different. And that is a normal struggle, but it's not necessarily um, a long-term horrible situation for kids. Kids are pretty adaptable. They'll figure out like, here's what, here's how we do life here. Here's how we do life here. The part that's hardest on them is if those countries are at war and they feel like they're made to be a spy and mm -hmm. spy on the enemy. Right. And then they have to report back. And if they don't, right then they're the bad, they're in trouble if they're not aligned over here. And then, you know, so many blind spots can happen where here's a big one. It, for people who have had a relationship, have children, now you're co-parenting before you introduce your kids to a new person you're dating, you know, you most likely people recouple, right. And, and eventually you want to spend time with that new adult and your children to see what's this like, right. We're not going to all pile into one place and say we're going to live here forever if, if we haven't gotten to know each other and see how it works. One of the hardest things on kids is if they don't inform their co-parent ahead of time that they're going to introduce their children to their new dating partner. Quite honestly, children end up being just land, land blasted with the result. An innocent kid, maybe they're hanging out with dad. They meet dad's new girlfriend. They actually... You know, maybe it's a little girl. She actually likes her like, oh, she's really fun. And we had a good time. We got our nails done or something. Comes back to report to mom, to bio mom. I met daddy's girlfriend. If bio mom has no, no narrative about that ahead of time, that can be such an emotional moment for the mom that 
there's no time to react and think about our reaction. You know, words fall out, our face, maybe, you know, we have this moment where we react and two things happen. First off, the kid's like, oh crap, what did I say? Am I in trouble? Right. Or whatever gets said next, I can't believe he introduced you to blah, 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 right? That just short little engagement can quite tell a kid, oh no, I just got my dad in trouble. Or in reverse, right? And, and Christopher, imagine, you know, for you, like you've got, you said you've got a son, right? And he's your, he's your person, your little mini, mini me probably, right? Imagine him yeah, coming right. back and at this exact age and telling you, daddy, I met Bob. Bob's so cool, man. We did da -da 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 with Bob. And you're like, who the heck is Bob? And then your next question, you're, you know, it's not for your Bob's situation. Bob's a cool guy. That <laughs> makes sense. That's why the filter's always <laughs> Damn it, they should have known a better. <laughs> you know, men can have a different reaction that's pretty expressive. I can imagine. I've seen it. Uh oh, she suppose. Okay, uh, we'll we'll uh -oh. give her a minute. Okay, you're back. Okay. <laughs> Joe Ingram so, says, "Hey, hey, party people!" So good timing. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, Joe Ingram. So it can be, you know, it can be a really big deal to the adults and the kid can get caught in the crossfire. And so an important thing to do, you're not asking your co-parent for their feedback on who you're dating. You're not asking for their permission and you don't want their opinion. You're just informing them ahead of time and hopefully on a time they don't have the kids that, hey, on this date or on this weekend or on this trip or whenever this is, right? Give them a little time to get used to the idea that, hey, I just want to inform you. I'm going to introduce our kids to the person I'm dating. And and that's it, you know? And if you, if you actually get along and you're somewhat cooperative, you might have a conversation about it. But that's a pretty tough thing for parents to absorb. Well, you know, for moms, to, I, yes. for moms to know <laughs> there's going to be another woman around their kids, that's really, um, that can be a really hard thing to accept. And for men to know there's another man around their kids, um, that can bring out the best and the worst in men. And so okay, we want to inform our co-parent ahead of time. Yes, sir. So um, along those lines, it just pop, kind of popped in my mind. Uh, not that I've ever gone through this. Um, happily married, everything's good. Um, but good. it occurred to me in thinking about that, what, what information is the co-parent allowed to ask about the other person's now girlfriend? So say for example, my wife and I don't work out and she starts dating another guy. I'm like, for me, I want a copy of his driver's license. I want, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cover <laughs> myself enough to make sure that, you know, I want to run a little background check on this from your experience. What is reasonable to say, okay, now you're dating somebody. Here's the information I would like to have on this person because they're going to be spending 50% of their time around my kid. I want to know who this person is. Me personally, I would know who that person is one way yeah. or another. Well, I, I hate, hate this, Chris. I can't give you an exact answer that's going to fit every time. But I think some of the common questions that parents come up with, they want to know, you know, does that person have children? Have they been, you know, what's their, their dynamic in their family? Um, and women seem to want if, to, if a new female is coming into the picture that's never had bio, biological children, I think Bio moms sometimes are very um, concerned, like don't leave my kids with that woman. She, she doesn't have kids. She doesn't know what to do if there's a crisis. Like women, I think, want to know more on the care, you know, taking care of and being nurtured or are they safe? And men go more for, and correct me if I'm wrong, more for, like you said, background check. Like, are you uh, a, 
are you, do you have any felonies? You know, <laughs> do you, is there a record? And so I think- do You look at and, little kids and from white vans going, hmm. Well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it goes back to another Internet question. History. Internet history, I'm a, yeah. The question before that is, can you trust your co-parent? Right. Right? Because that's really at the core of it. The conversations and decisions come back to the biological parents. No matter who else comes into the story, the legal part and, and the, um, the responsibility lies with bio parents. So hopefully, and, and I guess probably for just as many people that could say they, they would trust their bio parent, the other bio parent to pick a good person, there's probably as many that would think that they're never going to pick a healthy person because they're not healthy either. So I think, you know, some baseline questions, their name, where are they from? Do they have kids of their own? Um, what's the expectation on how much time that person's going to be around our kids right now? But here's the hard part. Unless, unless it's legally in your decree, and some people will put this in there, that you can't have somebody of the opposite sex stay in your house overnight. Like some people put that in their decree when they're divorcing. Um, unless you've got a legal pre, pre-planned conversation and requirement, there's not really anything you have to tell or you have the right to know. But if you think about it from the other person's lens, you know, if you're the first one who recouples, like really think about how do I want this to go? Cause I want, if it goes well, it's going to be great for the kids. It's going to be actually all of us. Yeah, if I'm a jerk about this and I, and I act like a jerk and I push my other parent out of the picture and just bring somebody in and act like they don't exist. Well, you're setting your kids up, honestly, to end up in the hardest part of it. Because mm-hmm. there's the adult lens of recoupling, and then there's the kids. And sometimes have a hot or cold response. Sometimes kids are excited for, to meet a new person that somebody's dating because, gosh, mom's really happy when this guy's around and he's fun and we do stuff. But then other times kids will respond the opposite that, ah, well, now this guy's around all the time and I barely get to hang out with my mom one on one. And so even, you know, when, when people are recoupling, they're so excited about a new relationship and, and how that person and even their children could be an enhancement to their family. You got to slow down and, and ask yourself some questions like, okay, so how, what does this mean to my kids, to our shared children? And, and don't just jump ahead so fast into a new relationship that, that kids lose that bio time with you. And so for step couples that are listening, and they've got kids and, you know, their own kids, his kids, her kids, their kids, all these kids, right? The Brady Bunch. One of the most important things in that scenario is to make sure you plan for consistent bio time. And that is where the people in the family that are biologically connected, let's say I marry with kids, I marry somebody who's got kids. Once in a while on a regular basis, we spend a couple hours on a Saturday where I hang out with my kids and he hangs out with his. And that helps our kids really stay connected and not feel like they're getting lost in the absorption of this new family. And that's a huge blind spot that you know, counterproductive because like, oh, we're blending our family or whatever people call it bonus family, blended <clears throat> family, step family. There's so many names, you know, and part of it can at the beginning, like, oh, we want to do everything together. Well, somewhere in that mix, there's a kid who's going to really feel left out. And if they don't get a little one-on-one with their bio parent on a regular basis, they may really push back on the idea of blending. 
because blending means I don't get my parent much to myself. And I'm used to, you know, maybe five years, my dad's been single and now there's this woman here all the time. You know, they can become very resentful of the new person. So it's there. It's also tricky in kids, but adults and kids are processing all of it, the good stuff and the hard stuff on a different timeline and a different pace. And, and I'll say this too, when a, when a relationship ends, there's usually one leaving and one getting left. And so those two people usually start at a different place in co-parenting, right? One is ready to go and maybe they've grieved, they're sad, they've been disappointed in the relationship, but they're the one who's like, I'm, I'm going, this is over and I want a divorce or I want to move out or I want to end this relationship. So the one leaving has a different perspective and sometimes is able to kind of compartmentalize emotion and think about being co-parents a lot quicker than the one getting left who maybe still wants the relationship to stay together. And maybe it's complete shock. It feels like it comes out of nowhere. What do you mean you're leaving? I thought we were happy, right? And so then you move down the road a bit. If the first one that left is the first one to recouple, that is extra difficult for the other bio parent. And so part of, of being a great parent for your children is still having compassion for their other parent. Like, where are they? And, and if, if you just ended the relationship and you're introducing your kids to a new person and it's two months later, you know, I, you've got to expect that that other person's going to be pretty upset by this. It's going to be hard for them to accept it. And being a co-parent is not just being focused on me and what I want. Legally, I can do whatever I want. But you got to slow down sometimes and think about how does all of this affect our children? How does it affect their other parent? Because if, if their other parent is suffering or angry or ticked off at me for the rest of their life, that's going to hurt our child. So it's... There's a lot of sticky stuff in this that is um, not a simple one, one quick little answer that fixes it all. But wow. it's, you know, part of co-parenting is, is still being compassionate and still being curious and still being respectful to that other parent. Uh, because, again, for the kid, looking at the two of the, those parents, usually those are the two superheroes for that kid. Right. Their mom, their dad, they don't see the flaws. They don't see all the hard stuff. They see the two parents they love the most, they fist with, and they want them to get along. I can't tell you how many kids in my office, they they come in and they're like, I just want them to get along. I just want them to be friends. Because the, the when those two countries that function different, have different um, different traditions, different ways they do life, when those countries are at war, Man, the one that hurts the most is the kid caught in the middle. Well, and I think to that point, you know, the communication that takes place between partners after the fact, especially in the beginning, if there is one person who just emotionally isn't dealing with things very well, you know, mm -hmm. to learn to manage that is really important. I mean, some people, you literally, they can't handle having a phone call. You know, it's just going to turn right. into an explosion, regardless of what you say or do. Yeah. And in cases like that, I mean being able to have some kind of agreement in advance, I think can be really helpful as well. Just, you know, here's how we're going to communicate, you know, about these sorts of topics. And if it's emergency, sure, you know, we'll do phone calls or whatever the case may be, but otherwise we can text or we can email, you know, if it's a longer term, those sorts of kind of guidelines. Yeah. Well, and there's some apps, some co-parenting apps that are amazing and they really help parents no matter how well they get along or they don't. 
Um, and honestly, 20 years ago when I went through this, um, our was actually a thing back there, but I never knew it. Like I didn't know about our family wizard till like eight years after I was divorced. And, and I wish I'd known about it because these apps give you a place to put calendar information. There's a, an easy way to request changes. If you've got, you know, like you got to travel for work and, and you need to swap time. There's a system for that app. If you have to exchange receipts and pay each other back for stuff, you can do it through the app. Um, if you go to doctor appointments or dentist visits and there's information you need to share with each other, you can put it in the app. Everything can be there and it can be, um, it can really simplify and, and minimize the misfires. Mm -hmm. um, and so those apps are a great way for any kind of co-parent duo. Those apps are great. And there's some that are free. Um, there's one called appclose.com. It's a free resource. There's no subscription fee. Um, the thing I like about our family wizard is um, it has a tone monitor. So if you're doing a message back and forth, you know, what would be like a text, but you're doing it in the app, it'll actually red, red um, flag it if it seems aggressive or could potentially be met with an aggressive response. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, if they could figure out how to take that technology and put it in a face mask, right? right. Mm -hmm. Our kids would win. They would win every day. But those apps are help a good co-parent relationship stay organized and mm -hmm. on on the other end of that if you're in a parallel co-parenting scenario and you don't communicate the app can really kind of handle the information that is easy to find easy to check in um you know i see some of the biggest things you know maybe three weeks ago they texted each other about a friday pickup and and for whatever reason it's going to be at two o'clock instead of six o'clock and then one of them forgets Mm -hmm. And then it's like the third world war happens. And then they accuse each other. Well, you don't even care. You were late, blah, blah, blah. but I told you, right? Oh my gosh. So much drama. Put it in the app, use the app. Let that be mm -hmm. a place that stores schedule changes, requests, um, anything to do with the logistics of our life connected, you know, to our kids. And then for kids who may help with pickups and drop offs and whatnot, if you want them to know the schedule, you can actually give access to that part of the app to a grandparent or to a nanny or to somebody else who helps with caregiving. So they're really cool digital tools that can help co-parents um, get organized. And so I, I highly encourage that because if I had known about that, any of those apps, I would have paid the fee because it would have helped us just keep it all in one spot. And sure. um, and something about communication, I want to make sure I don't think I said it earlier. We were talking about the handoff. Mm -hmm. Here's the number one thing I beg co-parents to agree on, and, and maybe they've done this for years, but start it differently tomorrow. Um, the handoff is never, ever, 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 ever the time and space to have a co-parent meeting. That's not the time to talk about schedule changes or who's going to buy the cleats or the volleyball gear. It, that's not the time and space because kids already have a, a sense of, of probably a raised anxiety level. And they're watching, right, observing, monitoring all the emotional content. And mom and dad might even not feel like they're arguing. They're just talking about stuff. But that can feel really stressful to kids. And then the times that it goes poorly and you really do get into a hard conversation, the kids are left waiting. You know, they're sitting in the car watching you through the window. They're sitting mm -hmm. inside waiting for you guys to leave. One of the most important things is to make a promise that, you know what, we're not going to use the handoff as a time for a co-parent meeting. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it as positive, as simple, as 
you know, if we can't be positive, we're at least going to be neutral. We're going to keep it quick. We're going to just make it a transition and that's it. And then we find another time and space. It's a phone call. And like you said, if we can't hear that voice, we're too triggered. Then we use an app. We use email. We use text. We use other times and spaces and compartmentalize the, the business of co-parenting. And so in, in our website and our resources, we talk about how to, how to try to even begin having the idea of a co-parent meeting to set a time and a space pre-planned where we're going to talk about the business of parenting and then come back to stuff over and over at that time and space as opposed to handoffs and definitely not at ball games. Too many parents try to have things in the stands while kids are playing sports. And man, the kids, the kids get embarrassed. They get distracted. If they look up there and they see, you know, they, they might not even know what they're saying, but they're like, they see the hand motion, right? You know, two people sitting there having a hard conversation at a basketball game. I mean, so many kids, man, they struggle with that. So try to protect the time, especially the handoff, make it as happy as possible, as positive as possible. Don't do the co-parent business there. Figure out a time and space. And, you know, I actually, my ex and I, we met at McDonald's. <laughs> we we picked a McDonald's that was convenient to both of us. And we rotated, you know, whether we met on his parenting time or my parenting time. We also, as she got older, we, we met there while she was at like practice or rehearsals. And, and we kept it to like an hour, maybe many minutes. And we came to that with two or three of the most important things that we felt like we needed to talk about. And we did it in a public setting. And I think for the two of us, it was great because everybody acts more respectful most mm -hmm. of the time in public. And we, we did a great job of it. And people would actually hear us. And, and many times over the, all those years, they would uh, stop by and go, we didn't mean to overhear, but this is really great what you're doing for your daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, nice. and, and those meetings started as the two of us. And then he recoupled and my daughter gained a stepmom. And I said, hey, bring her to the to the co-parent meetings. And he was at first like, why would I do that? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and thinking about it from his lens, who wants to have his wife and his ex-wife at the same place, right? I was oh like, gosh, she's, I said, she's part of the, the team. You know, our daughter, I want her to know that that I respect her. And it was, I, I mean, I'm a crazy bio mom. I am all for advocating for healthy dynamics and connections between bio moms and stepmoms as a blessing to children. Because when women go at it like a cat fight, the people who suffer most are the children. And and I grew up with a stepmom that loved me. And, and she was different mm -hmm. than my mom. And she didn't, I, I never loved my mom any less because I had a stepmom. And my motivation all through my daughter's life is, you know, I want you to know, and I would tell my daughter, I'm so glad you have a stepmom. And I expect you to respect her. And, you know, there was no way she could play us against each other. And it started by inviting her to the, to the team meeting. And then eventually I remarried and four of us would go to McDonald's about three times a year, four day timers and talk. <laughs> so it's a little uncommon, but I think because we did the hard stuff at those meetings, we really gave our daughter a life of, of no conflict. Mm -hmm. And she saw the differences. You know, she would tell you our, our traditions, our, our homes were kind of like two countries, but she loves both of the countries. Right. And she didn't Beautiful. feel like she Amazing. lived in the middle of the war. So Bravo to you, the thing I didn't think about though, guys, and again, depending how old your kids are when this happens, um, I calculated once we divided when she was one divorced when she was two. 
And I think we probably did, I'm sure we did between 800 to 1,000 handoffs in that journey of raising her. And even when she had her own car and would drive back and forth, we, we only live one exit away here in Nashville, but even how we emotionally prepped her to go and how we received her when she came back, even if it wasn't he and I doing it, and she was coming and going, you know, those handoffs, they define so much. And, and parents don't think about that. They just, you know, they're going for what they're going for. They're thinking short term. It's right now, it's got to go for the jugular. And man, we're just supposed to hate each other. Well, man, I please take your energy and your, your, um, your focus off of hating your ex and put it on loving your kid mm-hmm. or loving your children and figuring how can yeah. you align side by side and find something to agree on. The first thing is you love these kids. What's the next thing we could find some sameness, some consistency in and, um, and try to protect them from all of that. Because I mean, you think about a kid experiencing anything hundreds and hundreds of times, be a very, very important part of their childhood. It's going to define a lot of their identity. And so if, if, parents can just do that handoff a little better, it can make a radical difference. So anyway. Wow. 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 This was gold. I I mean, for any parents out there that are trying to co-parent, what you just got just now was worth thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, I'm not kidding. If you had to go out and try to find somebody and and get therapists to help you figure all of this out. And I mean, it, this was just amazing. So thank you so much, Tammy, for taking your time out to share this with the audience tonight. It's just oh, absolutely incredible. Yes, thank, thank you. you Thanks for the opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so any closing thoughts, Christopher, before we wrap up? Closing thoughts. You know what? I mean, I think Tammy said it all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, honestly, it really is about the perspective of the kids. I mean, oh. as as parents, we take a responsibility in life. You know, no matter how we gain our kids, um, to we make a make a a very conscious decision that we are going to raise those beautiful little babies to have an opportunity in the world that maybe we didn't have, and yes. for us to be able to put aside differences that potentially can cause, you know, our, a relationship to end in one respect, there's an opportunity for another relationship to begin in another respect mm-hmm. that we can all all of us can grow at together um, and have a really great bond and actually make life, you know, not necessarily better for our kids, but we can actually impact them by the love and the care that we show them and taking away our selfishness and our egos. And like you said, so beautifully, you know, having the conversations when you need to have those conversations and keeping those kids, you know, uh, at the center of attention. So thank you so much for being here on the rainbows and real life show. We so appreciate you. We've got your uh, website up there uh, for people to get in contact, contact with you. But again, thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us tonight. Thank you guys. And is this, is this the best place? I just want to be sure for people who are listening um, to the podcast, is this the best web address? And and if so, let's share that out with everyone, the coparentinginternational.com for people to get in touch with you. Okay. Yes. And we've got some free handouts there. We've got uh, digital courses, books. You can even, you know, do coaching with me. I work with families all around the country. I'm happy to, to come alongside, whether it's one parent, both parents, um, a lot of times I even work with four parents when they're step couples and they're trying to figure out how to work together. So I'm in, I love the more complicated it is, the better. So love to Absolutely connect with you. Amazing. 
Well, thank you again. And I would love to do this again. I feel like we really scratched the surface in a lot of ways tonight. I know there's so many topics we could talk about, but we talked about a lot and I'm very, very grateful you were here. So thank you again, Tammy. It's a blessing. my honor. Thanks, Pamela. Thanks, Christopher. Absolutely. And to all the audience, thank you so much for being here and for sharing this out. We know that, you know, when we share, when we share these out, it's a blessing for us, but we know when you share it out, it's a blessing for others. And so we thank you for that and appreciate you for being here as always. So good night, everyone. And until next time. Peace out. We want to thank you for listening today. We know you have many choices for content and we are grateful you chose us. You can always find more of our episodes at the Energy Healing Network on YouTube. Please do make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can easily find more episodes or watch when we go live. Thank you again for listening and sharing these messages with others who you wish to encourage and uplift.